Station. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and grace and mercy. Thank you for the anointing that rests upon your word and upon me, your servant. Help me, Lord, to share your truth as you have shown it to me. I pray that it goes into good ground in all the plowed hearts here in this room today, the seed of your precious word, and that it take root and bear fruit in their lives, that they be healed everywhere they hurt, empowered by your promises, that they feel your love in an overflowing fashion, and they prosper in every way, and that they go and help others with that same help that they have received, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Turn to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to help him who was able... No, to him, to the Father, who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. That's forever, folks. I'm going to continue reading. Verse 11. About this, we have much to say, Paul said. He was getting in some good stuff. Really good stuff. And it's hard to explain, he said. I know know that feeling. Since you have become dull of hearing, though... And I'm talking to everybody that's going to hear this message online, folks. It's not you. (laughs) Not you either in San Angelo, my friend. Maybe some of you uh, on the East Coast and the West Coast. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm not preaching that anyone. This came to me first, okay? (laughs) It's hard to explain, he said, since you have become dull of hearing. I keep saying he said, this is from the book of Hebrews, and we don't know who wrote it. I hope they come out with some news that uh, a young black or brown female wrote it, and that'll be great. I'll love it even more. It won't bother us, will it? But I think Paul wrote it, honestly. That's why I say he, but we really don't know. So I'll I'll correct that right now before I get emails. (coughs) For though by this time you ought to be teachers, he's he's trying to tell them something. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. 
I'm going to read another passage of Scripture and then we're going to talk a little bit about it. But 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 11 through the first half of the first Scripture of chapter 14. 1 Corinthians 13, beginning in the 11th verse. This is Paul. And he said, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. In another place, in the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, it says, But an hour is coming, and now is... This is what Jesus was talking to the woman at the well. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. This is why... The new identity that I constantly talk to us about. I, I try not to talk to the flesh. I talk to the old, old man is dead, right? I try to talk to the new man. I don't, I don't lower the standards or the gospel or the truth of God's word to meet my, my uh, standards or whatever I am living up to. No. I preach it right where it is and we can all come up to it together. Amen. Amen. That's why our new identity in Christ is so important to understand. When the true worshipers will worship God in spirit and in truth. And he says, and the time now has come. That, that means when he brought that, he brought the new church age in. Not only learning about who the new identity, who the new man is, but applying the truths about our new identity to our lives. People will try to live without God, folks, I've found, as long as they think they can. The truth is, they never could. God's goodness is supposed to bring repentance, and a lot of times, the things that He blesses us with are the things that people use to allow the enemy to distract them from the one who's providing all the wonderful blessings in their lives. And you can see this more and more in the, well, totally in the world and more and more, unfortunately, even in the church as a body. And we, we, love, we love everyone. We're not against anyone. But judgment begins in the household of God. And we're supposed to do the checkup from the neck up. Amen. Examine yourselves to see whether you be in the faith is what the Bible says. Put it more clearly. 
I, I translate from texting back to biblical language. <laughs> Examine yourself to see whether you be in the faith is what it says. Sometimes people neglect God's truth on purpose. Sometimes it's just uh, out of complacency or neglect or a lack of uh, feeling that they need what, what God has to offer. And whatever the reason, it's always a bad thing. Amen. It's a bad thing for that person because it's not only for them, it's for others. So when we neglect the things of God, we're neglecting the overflow that would come from that to the others that we love and that need it so desperately. Amen. I've noticed... Over the last 12 or 14 years, people are always looking for some great revelation. They chase around a lot of times from one goosebump preacher to the next. <laughs> and I, you know, I love, you know, that's good, man. I, I wish I could still jump up on the table and shout. And I probably could, but have to get help to get down and all that. Tabana won't let me climb on the ladder anymore, so it's about exciting as I get. So, what you get from me, you're going to have to glean from the Word. Amen? It really doesn't matter what I have to say. But I remember, you know, in all my travels and and, and and ministry because a lot of times you minister at conferences and things like that and it's uh, just a stack of preachers lined up to preach you know and they can't wait they're just chomping at the bit and they all just trying to come up with something that nobody's ever heard before some great revelation that they found and that's not really revelation folks revelation is just understanding Revelation is when the light bulb goes on. Revelation is when you read that same scripture that you read a thousand times in your life and you go, Oh, oh praise you, Jesus. And sometimes it's not enough, like where I'm sitting reading and I'm just, Praise you, God. And, and, and I just know that I need to get lower. I get down till my face is buried in, in that old rug of ours, you know. He's so good. So that light going off. When it becomes truth to you in a way that transforms your life. How's that? And when it's applied truth. When it's, when it's something you begin to walk in. And you've made it your own. You, you see the rewards of it in your life. And so you can talk about it as your own. Amen. You're a doer of the word and not just a hearer anymore because you understand it as your truth. Like I always say when I quote great, great men of God around the country that I meet or hear, or they say something, I say, I'll give them credit for it this time, maybe the next time. After that, it's mine. <laughs> I remember a light bulb going off for me at... Speaking of a, a, a natural example, in ninth grade algebra, oh, I hated it. I hated going to that classroom because I, it was dread because I didn't get it. 
And I remember the day the light bulb went on and I went, oh, I got it. <laughs> and I enjoyed that class after that. I give it to me, give it to me. I got it. I could I could I knew it. It was it was just there was a there was a barricade there. There was just a hindrance. Just like there is with us in many cases when it comes to the things of God. But it's important that we understand, folks. Some say it doesn't matter if you understand the Bible. Just do what it says. Welcome to Religion 101, folks. That's, that's the lie right there. I mean, it's, it's better to do good than not just because you don't understand why you need to. Don't get me wrong. But you get what I'm saying. It's important that we understand the parable of the four soils, the only one that the enemy was able to come and steal it was, from was the one who didn't have understanding. And it's his job, he will come immediately to steal this word from you today. But I've prayed and I've and I've and I believe that it's going into good ground and that you will protect you'll protect this seed and allow it to take root and bear fruit in your lives. That's your job. Holy Spirit will help you. Amen. Amen. You got two advocates in this world. The Holy Spirit and Christ Jesus. In heaven. Making intercession for you. Amen. Amen. And the paraclete walking right along beside you. The Holy Spirit. Ready to take together. A hold together with anything that comes against you. If you just embrace a religious outlook on this word, well, welcome to religion, like I said, and all of the heartache that it brings with it. All of the condemnation, all of the stress and struggles and strife. We don't want that. We want the other R word, relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I wanted to make some shirts... Like we have the HELP uh, acronym on there. Heal, Empower, Love, and Prosper. I love that. The Lord gave that to Tavana and I one night sitting on our couch. I was going to make some disciples in making. But then it would make you dim. And I'm like, no, we can't. <laughs> can't do that. <laughs> but folks, we're approaching the end of the church age. You understand? There are times and ages that God has created. We had we had the law for fifteen hundred years, and they finally realized nobody could do it. <laughs> Jesus came and did it. The law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. He ushered in the church age, the time of grace and truth. Amen. And and that's going to be until He returns. No other dispensations of time until and from the time he ascended to the time he comes back. Amen. And we are coming close to the end of that age. And some wonderful and some very hard things must still take place. God needs real disciples to carry out the work which is still to do. 
and disciples are not babies. Amen. Amen. Not calling you babies. He told me this. So I could do my checkup from the neck up. And share it with you. Babies drink only milk. Little bitty baby, right? Thank God. They don't have understanding of important truths. They don't know how to apply God's word to their lives yet. When I was a child, for the first four decades of my life, I was very immature. Disciples don't self-destruct. When things go south, they don't go with it. They don't fall apart like a $3 suitcase every time something goes wrong. They don't live out of their emotions. They're not ruled and governed by... They don't react. Disciples don't walk condemned. They have an understanding of God's love and His forgiveness. His mercy for them. That He carries your picture in His wallet. Amen. Amen. They don't walk in judgment of others or in bitterness or unforgiveness. They don't. There are lots of competing voices in this world today, aren't there? Lots of voices, lots of things competing for your time and attention. And we have to be careful what voices we allow to influence us and what voices we are governed by, so to speak. Because we don't want to be governed or ruled or led by voices of the past. I always tell people, don't ever let your memories be greater than your dreams. The devil would like nothing more than to have you stay focused on the past. But God is a God of today. I hope you spend all the grace He gives you for today. We don't want to be governed by voices of old relationships or of a bad upbringing or of our sex or race or profession or education. Not that education is a bad thing. Crutches. Should I say crutches instead of voices? No. Voices. They're... You're sending people off to school these days and pay fifty, eighty thousand dollars a year just to get them a new pair of crutches every year. We know people who have sent their children, beautiful young Christian adults, off to the college they begged and pleaded to go to several states away. And they came home once or twice that first year and they hadn't seen them since. That beautiful long hair is cut off and now they got tattoos and they're, they're, they have spiritual meetings in the coffee shop there. Spiritual meetings. Lost right now. 
paid a lot of money for that. How can I condone it when people come to me and ask about sending their kids off to college? I have to say, which one? Is it one that their main goal is if they get there with any faith to make sure they don't leave with it? You going to pay for that, folks? No thanks. But all these voices can have a tremendous effect on our lives and if, we're, if, we're, if we allow them. But we're supposed to take every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Amen? Amen. This is something we, we're taught to do. But again, it, it could be a scripture you can quote and you, you understand, you, you get it, but do you apply it? I mean, is everything that's coming in these eye and ear gates going through the, the filter of the new covenant of grace and truth? I, I think about Jesus' brother, half-brother Jude, who wrote a book in the Bible. It's just a page long. and Anybody can handle that book. But it, 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 I can just feel his... His pain, he, he wanted so desperately, like, like all preachers, just to take off and start talking about salvation and all these one. He says, but I can't because I need to address this thing. These people are trying to sneak into the church and turn the grace of God into a license to sin. What? What's the matter with them? <laughs> Again, I'm translating the text. But you know the book. You know what he said. John 10, verses 27 and 28. And I like the King James Version. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. We need to hear Jesus and we need to respond in faith. And my wife always says, faith has feet and lips. Amen. Amen. Because without faith, it's impossible to, to please God. So we have to believe that He is who He says He is. And He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. He's made promises concerning us and the mature in Christ Learn to live off the promises of God. Amen. Amen. Living on the promises of God. The provision is in the promises. Haven't we learned that? And we begin to learn how to apply that. Amen. Believe and receive or doubt and do without. What God has been talking about, because I keep asking Him about this third great awakening and all the wonderful things that I see and hear and the testimonies and, and the people I talk with. And you know I'm the, the regional advocate for this south, whole half of Texas from El Paso to Orange and whatever down and uh, even up to Lufkin uh, for Andrew Womack's Ministers Association Army. And so all the ministers in that group, I, 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 I help to encourage. Because believe it or not, most of the preachers are more discouraged than anyone here. 
It can be a tough life. But I hear the stories. And I am hearing some really cool things. You know, I think it's cool that like the outbreaks is some of these revivals, these tent meetings are having are in places like California. <laughs> and you got you got kids walking in there that never even would have went into a church and they're in the next thing you know, their hands are in the air, their tears are you know, the Holy Spirit is having his way and they're just loving on the Lord and being loved by him and they are wanting the real thing, folks. They don't want religion. They, they, it's not that they ever hated God. You can't know Jesus and dislike it. You just can't. The Holy Spirit, you know, the, the word charismatic comes from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Charisma. He's irresistible. But, when I was first brought into the ministry, I was exposed to a lot of things. I saw and heard a lot of things that freaked me out. I couldn't believe the atrocities going on within the churches. From the men standing behind these pulpits. Taking advantage of God's children. It broke my heart and angered me to the point where... uh, I needed a little more maturity in my life before I was exposed to all that. I'm talking about hiding people in our church who were hiding from a whole island in the Caribbean who was after them to kill them because they had run away from the church and it was one of the pastor's women, you know. Judgment begins in the household of God and what you're going to see arising out of the ashes is a new, beautiful church filled with God's children, His real children and His real ministers who love Him and want Him for Him and are seeking Him and don't want anything except Him. And they want to take everybody they can with them to heaven. I believe I'm one of those people and I'm not bragging on me because he did this. I was lost. I was gone. I, I thought I had an edge on the street if you, if, you, if you know what I'm talking about because I had a very diminished self-worth. But God found me and changed all that. And now I love Him. And I serve him because of that. Can we take a quick look at the original church? The the book of Acts is a picture of the first church. It was beautiful. It's our spiritual roots, if it were, as it were. Amen? And we really need to examine, if you haven't read the book of Acts, I, I encourage everybody to read the four Gospels and book of Acts over and over and over and over again. <laughs> I try to read this whole thing every 90 days, and I fail every 90 days, but I, I, I got 14 new messages out of Leviticus the other day. I'm, I'm just, it's all about Jesus. But the book of Acts is powerful because it's about the first church and we need to examine it 
And I'm not going to even try to really go into the book of Acts today because if I do, you know what I'll do. <laughs> and <laughs> But I, I do want to touch on a couple of things. But first, I need to just have you back up to the end of Matthew and just to remake, bring to your remembrance in Matthew 28, 16 through 20, when G, the Great Commission, as it were. It's known as the Great Commission, and this is what Jesus said. So then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Can I tell you a few things about the early church? One thing that is apparent in the gospel... Well, look, I, I, I'm not... I say much, but just, just just look in the first chapter of the book of Acts. Starting at the eighth verse. And Jesus said to them, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. One thing that we know about the early church is that they were all witnesses to all men. They weren't all preachers, but they were all witnesses to what, out of their own personal experience, what Jesus had done for them and, 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 and in their lives. Amen. And that's something that every believer can and should be doing all the time. They were witnesses. And I, I can't get over the amount of people that I meet that just think that their Christianity is a private affair. I can't find that anywhere because I've looked to try to just give them the benefit of the doubt. It's not in this book. Quite the contrary, folks. We're supposed to be witnesses to the whole world. Is this something this good? How could you not share it unless you just don't really understand it? The next thing is that they walked in supernatural power in almost in every in every area of their lives. I've been saying for over a decade that the the bride of Christ and the end times is going to be adorned with all the gifts of the Spirit and walk in power and victory and love, and the church is going to be set apart. There's going to be so many false prophets. So much apostasy, so many divisions and schisms. It's going to come to the point where it was like with Moses. and uh, You throw down your rod and I'll throw down mine and we'll see. We'll see who's really walking with God. And who's a deceiver. You're going to need some discernment, folks. 
But they were, their prayer life was supernatural. Their preaching was supernatural. Sometimes even their transportation was supernatural. (laughs) Everything was supernatural. And this is a supernatural life that we're called to. Whether people admit it or they don't, it doesn't change the truth. Your opinion doesn't change the Word of God. Andrew was talking to a lady one time and she was a Baptist and he grew up in a Baptist, got saved in the Baptist church and he loved the church. But when he got born again and was really filled with the Holy Ghost, they kicked him out. And this woman, he was painting her house in, in the early days of his ministry and... and uh, before he realized he, he had to still provide and, and he and Jamie were almost starving to death <laughs> like a lot of young ministers do. Um, anyway, she said, young man, you're, you're a fine young man. Why aren't you, why don't you come to the Baptist church? And he goes, I, I, I did, but they kicked me out. She goes, they, they, why would they do that? And he told him, well, I, I, got, the, I got the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, they run. She goes, "Oh well, we would have kicked you out of mine too." Yeah. <laughs> yes. And he's, you know, he does. He goes, "Show the scripture." But, but what? But look at this, and then, and look at this, and then look at this, where they were filled again, and look where Jesus commanded them not to even go and preach until they received the gift, and then this and this, and she goes, "Oh, oh there's a lot of things in there we don't believe." People don't let the truth get in the way of what they want to believe a lot of times, folks. And that's unfortunate. You know something else about that early church? They always proclaimed a king and a kingdom. They were always talking about the coming, the return of the Messiah. They were waiting for their king. And that kingdom that he was bringing with them. And this is something that you don't hear a lot about. But they talked about an unshakable and eternal kingdom that they declared was coming to earth. And they, you know, they were talking about it was the, the last of the end times then, you know. And, and, and <laughs> you know, I used the story of the, the Good Samaritan and how the, the Good Samaritan was Jesus and the, the, the wounded man was you. And the innkeeper was the Holy Spirit. And how he gave him two denarii. A day's wage is a denarii. He gave him two denarii. And he said, take care of him until I return. And if there's anything else old, I'll give it then. Well, if a, if a thousand years with God is as one day. And he gave him two days wages. Lord, we are very, very close to that 2,000 year mark. Or two days. However you want to look at it. He's coming soon folks. Paul said when I came to you. I didn't, I didn't come with fine sounding arguments. I didn't come with a big theological uh, sermon. Or fine sounding words. But with power. In other words, I, I would tell you about the gospel and it would be confirmed with signs and wonders from, from God. 
Jesus did the same thing. Fed the multitudes. He healed the sick. It was all out of love and compassion, of course, but also a dinner bell so people would come and receive the Word. Because this is the one eternal thing that you know in this world. They were always expecting the return of the King. It shaped to the point that it shaped their lives. It shaped their their actions, their motivations, and, and everything else to do with them. They were expecting and waiting on His imminent return. And I think that, just like the Bible says, don't, don't think that, you know... He's, he's putting it off. You know, the reason He's doing that is out of mercy. It's not His desire that any should perish, but that everyone should repent and come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord. But He is coming. We need to recognize that it's still for today all the things that they did in that early church. And that's what church needs to look like now. Hebrews 9.4 says the Holy Spirit is an eternal spirit. He, he doesn't change. Hebrews 13.18 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Father in whom there is no shadow of turning. He's not changing. Nothing's changed about God. He didn't change His mind. There's no changes in the church until Jesus comes. God hasn't come up with a more modern version of church that he wants to install. He got it right the first time. As he always does. And it's better than any substitute. That anyone's making available today. So we need to study. And, and try to lay hold of the same. Spiritual truths. And understanding and motivations. That they walked in in that early church. You want to see revival? That's when you're going to see it. Next thing is that they all receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. You know, I still have that, that cross in my yard. Miss Siah can tell you because she lives across the street. It says He is risen. You know the KSBJ one? I put it there on on Good Friday and then I turn it around where He is risen on, on, on Easter morning. But mine is still up. Why? I leave it there hoping someone will ask me why besides my four-year-old granddaughter who corrects me anytime. She's she's learning from my wife too much. (laughs) But Jesus, Jesus stayed here on the earth and appeared to men for 40 days. And so Ascension Day and we don't have to celebrate days and all that thing. But Ascension Day, so to speak, is 39 days after Easter, right? And so that's when I take it up and put it away. That's why I do that. And then 10 days after that, or really the day of Pentecost, or seven Sundays after Easter, that's when the Holy Spirit came. Jesus told him, go to Jerusalem. Even though you've been with me for three and a half years, you know everything about me. I've taught you everything I can in the limited time that I had, go and wait in Jerusalem. Don't leave until the promise comes from the Father. Because not many days from now, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. 
And He came, didn't He? On the day of Pentecost. And He filled the whole area. But then He also filled each one of them individually, didn't He? Ephesians 5, 17 and 18 says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk with wine. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. What, what's the comparison there? With the devil, there's always a, a cheap counterfeit, folks. To lead you out on the edge of that limb. Come on, I'm your friend. Take you further than you want to go. Charge you more than you want to pay. Keep you longer than you want to stay. Take you out on the edge of that lamb and then leave you hanging. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter had to defend them that day, remember? Because everybody accused them of being drunk. He said, man, it's only nine in the morning. <laughs> that wouldn't have mattered to me at one point in my life, but... But what, he's, what we're saying is to be sure to get drunk with the right kind of spirit. There's a capital S. And trust me, unlike the devil's counterfeit, this heavenly inebriation is a real thing. It's a real thing, folks. It sets you free from human opinions. From your own limitations. It gives you boldness. It gives you freedom of speech. And you say, well, so does the other kind. <laughs> it always did that for me too. But God's way, God's Spirit does all these things to help you glorify God, not the devil. Amen? Amen. The, other, the other one gives you freedom to just <laughs> wake up wondering, oh, what did I say? Who did I say it to? Can I even go back there? And listen, it's listed in this scripture as a command. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk with wine. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's, that's not a, a request. It's a command. Be filled, just as they were in the early church. The last thing that I'm going to mention is that they made a total commitment to the, the King. King Jesus. It's essential. It's essential. I don't know. It might sound like a simple thing, but do you really have a revelation of what I'm talking about as the, the light bulb going on? Is it making sense? You know, I don't, I don't really know if I've, I've checked all these boxes. Maybe, maybe you have. I think, I, 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 you know, I think, I think I'm in a place for what in my ministry career where I actually believe that the, the boxes are checked. But, so I'm talking to somebody though. Or just reminding you, so, so from out of the overflow, you can go and remind others and share with them the things that will help them and to, to benefit them and bless their lives. Amen. And help them to be a part of this end times church. It's going to be a blast. It's a great time that we've been born into. I know it seems crazy 
It's like you're on candid camera all the time now. It's like, they can't honestly be, they can't mean that. They do. It's deception at the highest level. And it's a spiritual battle we're in, folks. Remember, don't take it out on the people. See through that. Ask the Lord to help you to see into the spiritual realm. And you know when He'll do that? When He can trust you with that information. I've, I've, I walk in a lot of the spiritual gifts whenever the Holy Spirit chooses. And, and, but one thing He reprimanded me about early in my walk with Him is I'm not showing you this to be critical. A lot of people say, I walk in discernment. What you're walking in is a spirit of criticism. And that's not God. If He shows you something about somebody, it's so you can help them by praying for them and interceding for them. Amen? You can get, you can even receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But if you don't make this commitment, this total commitment to King Jesus, the Holy Spirit will never do what God intends Him to do in your life. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit only cares if you, about, that you glorify the Father and the Son. He, he's amazing. I wish, you know, there's, you know the problem with Sunday mornings? I, it's not that I can have to think of something to say. It's that I, I, I have too much to say and don't have the time to say it. I would love to take you to a whole chapter in the Old Covenant that's a self-portrait of the author. He is so beautiful, the Holy Spirit, so humble and so amazing. And I can show you a whole chapter in this book that's that's a self-portrait of Him. And I will sometime, maybe next week. (laughs) Psalm 110, verse 3, Thy people will be free will offerings. That's a portion of that I'm taking from that that psalm. God doesn't want something. He wants us. He wants you. Amen? When He has you, He has everything that you have because you love Him and you want to live to serve Him. Amen? The army the Lord is preparing and you say, Oh, what is this? Some militant cult? No. It's just from the Bible, folks. You are in a a spiritual battle, whether you know it or not. Not admitting it or recognizing it or being a mealy-mouthed fence-sitter just means that you lose by default because the fence belongs to Satan. But God's given us all of the things that we need to fight and win. The only offensive weapon is this Bible right here. And all of the other armor, we talked last week about God wanting to fix our cheeks and the armor so to protect us because He loves us. Amen. And that's all He's ever trying to do. His correction is always love-based. If you ever feel like I read your mail and I'm preaching at you, I, I'm not. And if, the, if God offends you, then it's like a cat rubbing them the wrong way. Just turn them around and keep on rubbing be all right. Just repent. <laughs> he loves you. I can tell you this. I wanted to say a lot more. But about this free will offering. When I 
when I was debating with the Lord about my ministry calling, because I, I promised I, I'm going to love you and, and, and serve you my whole life. I thank you for what you've done when you came into my home and into my heart that day. I told him I'd never ask him to leave. And I said, I won't. But what do you what do you want me for? What do you, There's a church on every corner and they all disagree. What do you want me for? I don't know who to believe. I got a late start here. He said, it's not what you think and they're not what you think. I said, well, no, I'm, if I, only way I do it is if you teach me, you're, he said, okay. <laughs> and so I started and I went, and I'm done here, folks. I, I know we went a little late today. I went through some things, you know, I saw different things. I did, I, I was in. I was ordained several times and everybody just, you know, was overwhelmed. But I would go into this setting where the Holy Ghost was present and they would just be laying hands on me. I was ordained into three huge ministries and, you know, it was just, it was so obvious that it was just the calling and then the dreams that he gave to me. And if you read my book, you've seen some of the things that have taken place. I had done, I was in a, I was the pastor of a, a brand new church with a, my own office and the theater and the classrooms and everything like that. And, and the, they weren't treat, they weren't teaching what God had shown me and they weren't about to change. They prepared, they were prepared for anyone who came against them with a thousand scriptures and I only knew maybe three or four. <laughs> to fight with them and I wasn't going to fight with them one day the Lord said hey, you prepared to take up your identity and me alone you trust me yes sir get your stuff get out of here and I did and started another ministry churches prisons nursing homes bags I could afford some of my sundry items and stapled my Jesus loves you cards and fill the back seat and my wife would send me off and I'd go find some folks did tried everything and I was praying I was like Lord please just let me out of this I really don't want to do it and they don't want to listen to me anyway so and uh, can we just call this deal off? And I still promise I always love you, always serve you. And he came to me again in a dream. And it was in a familiar place. Courtyard of some apartments my mama and I had lived in. When I was a, a boy. And I was walking with the Lord across, across this courtyard. And I was really happy. He was on my right side, just like he has been every time I've seen him. And I was really happy I was going with the Lord. And I turned back like this, and over my left shoulder I saw, well, I saw you. I saw, they were all standing, though. There was 
lot of people. And they were all looking at me like this. And as if, what about us? Like sheep without a shepherd. <laughs> and I turned back to the Lord and I asked him, what, what about them? He didn't even, he just continued to look straight forward. He didn't have to say anything. I, I just had a knowing. I knew exactly what he was saying. I knew exactly what he meant. If, if you don't, they won't. That was it. If you don't do what I've called you to do, I love you. I'm not going to condemn you. You're still going to go with me. They won't. See, he couldn't give me a simple yes or no to my question. Because he's given us a free will. And he's not going to override that free will. He wants a free will offering. He wants someone that loves him for him. And if you love him and you know the alternative, like I do so well, because he snatched me out of that fire, you don't want anyone to miss it. And so whether there's one or none or 10,000, I'll preach the same message. And it's always going to be about Jesus and our relationship with Him. Amen? Amen. You know He loves you today. I love you too. Heavenly Father, thank You for this Word and thank You for this day. Thank You for all of Your grace and truth and mercy. Help us, Lord, to put all of our trust in You and to look forward to with great anticipation for the return of our King, you, Lord Jesus. Not a suffering Savior, but a conquering King. We look forward to living and ruling and reigning with you forever, Lord. Meanwhile, help us to be adorned with all the gifts of the Spirit and power and love and walk in victory and help others to do the same. We love you, Lord, and we thank you that we were born for such a time as this. And that you will never leave us or forsake us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.